Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of Radio Free for Fresh or Wrestling. And unfortunately, I am not your Churchill Cup champion. Funny story about this. During the recording of last week's episode, me and Randy were picking from two different great American Bash cards. And unfortunately for me, Randy was picking from the correct card, and I was picking from the incorrect card. And it cost me two points and gave Randy his first ever Churchill Cup victory. So, bravo. But rest assured, Randy, July 23rd, death for dishonor, your Churchill Cup is on the line, and I'm coming back for my cup. Now, with that being said, let's look back at the two cards, because those two cards from this past week in professional wrestling gave us some new champions and a lot of new questions that we need to answer. Let's talk about Money in the Bank. The very first match was the Women's Money in the Bank contract match. And the wrestling gods answered mine and a lot of people's prayers as Liv Morgan became your Mrs. Money in the Bank winner. Now, when she won this contract case, I was thinking we would have a little bit more time to talk about it. When would she cash in? She's a babyface, and normally a babyface doesn't automatically cash in the contract the very same night. But fast forward about an hour and 45 minutes, and we see Liv Morgan come down after Natalia basically beat the heck out of Ronda Rousey in a losing effort and Liv Morton pins Ronda Rousey to become the new SmackDown champion. Now this has led to a great debate on wrestling Twitter. Is Liv Morton nothing more than a transitional champion? And is she the person that's going to take the pin once Charlotte Flair comes back and Charlotte Flair gains her 16th title reign as women's champion? Or did the WWE just give the fans what they wanted for a short period of time because we already know her next challenger is going to be Ronda Rousey and a rematch at SummerSlam. And if Ronda Rousey beats Liv Morgan, we will know for sure that the WWE did not have any special plans for Liv Morgan to win the title. They just went with what the crowd wanted for that night to give them a happy moment because later in the show, we got another surprise winner of a Money in Bank contract match. But that's another story to tell for a little bit later. Our next match at Money in the Bank was the U.S. title match between champion Austin Fury and the challenger Bobby Lashley. Now, going into this match, I had a great feeling that Bobby Lashley was going to be the person to defeat Fury here and become the new United States champion. And I was correct. Now, Austin Fury did get a lot of office in on Bobby Lashley. And it did take Bobby Lashley just a little bit to lock that hurt lock in there to get the submission victory. Now, my whole thing about Bobby Lashley becoming the new United States Champion was Austin Fury is one of those guys who doesn't really need a title. I mean, he's a heat magnet. He's good with or without a title. Also, I knew the WWE had a lot invested in Austin Fury because he's been paired with Vincent Mann in storylines here. So, I had a feeling that maybe, just maybe, Austin Fury might 
somehow figure into later events of the evening. Now, not in my wildest dreams that I think they would put the contract case on Austin Ferry. I really thought it was going to be Seth Rollins getting that contract case because you need a uber heel to face either Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. Now, I know Fury's a good heel. He's a good wrestler, great in the ring, but he's still kind of new, kind of fresh. And I don't think they have built him up strong enough to be the person to beat Roman or Brock Lesnar. Now, if he catches in here at SummerSlam, it'd be the best case for him because they can go with the storyline. The two guys destroyed each other. They can't answer the 10 count. Ding, ding. Here comes Austin Fury down to the ring side, catches in, pins one doesn't matter if it's Roman or Brock and you have a short Fury run as the unified Universal Champion. The question becomes does Brock Lesnar want to travel to the UK for that class at the castle event that they're going to have in September. Is Roman Reigns going to take some time off here in a late summer? Because if you remember a few months ago we were talking about oh hey Roman Reigns just signed a new contract. He's doing less dates. It's one of those dates he's not doing the UK tour. So could Fury be that bridge between Roman and Drew and then we'll get to see Drew versus Roman or Drew versus Brock at Survivor Series and we flip back around to 2023 and we head towards Hollywood and we get our Roman Reign versus The Rock for the Universal title match that they've been planning for the last three years. Good questions we'll have to see down the road. Our third match of the evening was for the Raw Women's Champion as Bianca Belair faced against Carmella. Carmella was the replacement for Leah Ripley, who has been suffering from some health issues. And this past week, she posted on her Instagram account that she's wearing a heart monitor. So I want to take this time to wish her a speedy recovery. Can't wait to see her back in the ring. This match was a surprisingly good match. I feel like a lot of people are down Carmella, but she's a perfectly good character. She might not be the strongest in-ring wrestler, but she has her character down packed, and sometimes you do need a clear dominant victory by your babyface champion. And yes, David, Bianca Belair is still a face, and she won here and still is your Rawls Williams champion. Okay, up next, we have the unified tag team title match between the Usos and the Street Profits. Now, this was a great match. It's probably the sleeper match of the night on this card for Money in the Bank. But I think I'm like you. I'm getting to a point where I am fatigued of seeing these four guys in the ring together. I'm ready to see new competition for the Usos. Now, I know they already got a rematch coming for SummerSlam, but I'm hoping this is the bluff to this feud because this feud has been going on forever. Now, if you listen to the WWE commentary, the last few weeks they've been talking about this kind of disagreement between the Street Profits, but yet you can't see it in the in-ring work between the two gentlemen or you didn't see any deceptions in the vignettes. They've been backstage together, so I don't know if they're trying to plant some light seeds here for a split of the Street Profits. Personally, I hope they don't break the Street Profits up because you need a solid babyface tag team. It's something both Raw and SmackDown are lacking because they switched the Viking Raiders over to being heels now. And finally, they're doing something with the Viking Raiders. Oh, hey, can we have the champions of this match come up between the Street Profits and Usos face the Viking Raiders? Because that would be a fresh team match that we haven't seen. WWE, can we get on to that, please? So the finish of the match at Money in the Bank was... The babyface team, they come up just a little bit short, but Montez Ford's arm was up off the mat as the ref was counting three. So it gives them an out to have this match at SummerSlam. And please, dear Lord, let this be the mat last match for a while between the Street Profits and the Usos. Okay, so the semi-main event of this pay-per-view was Ronda Rousey versus Natalia. Now, I love Natalia with all my heart, but this match was clunky as I'll get out. I feel like her and Ronda Rousey... 
you think they would match up style-wise, but this match was not one of their best ones. And the match basically is them both trying to go to submissions. Natalia trying to get the sharpshooter. Ron Rassley doing her cross arm breaker ankle lock. And this end of this match comes with Rassley doing a hybrid version of an ankle lock to get Natalia to tap out. But Natalia has done enough damage to the knee of Ron Rassley to allow Mrs. Money in the Bank, Liv Warren, to run down, cash in her contract. Hit one or two moves, then gets the one, two, three victory here over Ronda Rasley. And you're going like, wait a minute, Liv Morgan is a baby face. This is mostly reserved for a heel here. A heel would come down here and do this attack to cash it in while the champion was down. But the crown in Las Vegas was eating this up. They were saying, you deserve this. And Liv's is like crying her eyes out. It's a great moment for Liv Morgan. I'm happy for Liv Morgan. Now, granted, she's had a slightly rocky week promo-wise as being the first week of her championship reign. I want to tell her haters that give her a chance. I feel like she's going to get better as we move forward. But for right now, she is your SmackDown Women's Champion. Okay, so we're coming off this high of Liv Morgan winning the title. And we get the men's Money in the Bank match. So, seven gentlemen come up to the ring. And here comes out, quote-unquote, world GM Adam Pearce. Now, Adam Pearce... Usually it's a baby face, but he's letting Austin Fury into this match after Austin Fury didn't qualify for this match. And Austin Fury already had lost the U.S. title. And as soon as Austin Fury walked down to the ring, I went, oh my beep. He's going to win this match. Because I had picked Seth Rollins in the Churchill Cup picks. And I knew I was in trouble from this point forward. One of my favorite spots is the spot where all the other competitors decided to team up on almost and... Powerbomb through the announce table to knock him out of the rest of the match. Each of the other gentlemen had a chance to get near the briefcase. And there was a moment where you saw Sami Zayn nearly get the briefcase. I think the coolest move of the match was from Matt Riddle. When he's up there on the a secondary ladder. Seth Rollins almost got the case. And he does the massive RKO. Now granted this move knocks both of the gentlemen out of the rest of the match. And it allows the pathway for Austin Fury to be your Mr. Money in the Bank. Now, me personally, I felt like the crowd kind of fell flat here once they saw who the WWE was going to put this briefcase on. Because I feel like they like to hate Fury, but they don't want to see the dude with a contract case. I really feel like they want to either see Sami Zayn have it or Drew McIntyre. I feel like those are the two gentlemen in that match that the fans were behind. So the first week of Austin Fury with the briefcase, we've seen him both on Raw and SmackDown. And I kind of enjoyed Roman Reigns' look as he was walking around the ring on SmackDown. Like, why is this freaking dork out here on my Island of Revenancy? Don't he know I'm going to smash him and crash him and put him in the pal with everybody else? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was your 2022 Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I would say you can watch the men's and the women's Money in the Bank matches. The Usos versus Street Profits. And Liv Morgan's cash in. Everything else is basically your typical SmackDown or Raw match that you can easily just avoid if you just wanted to cut money in the bank down to like, say, an hour and a half. Okay, on to the Great American Bash. The day after the 4th of July, heading into this, me and Randy were tied 2-2. Even though I knew Randy had a ton of picks, I still thought I had a chance to retain the Churchill Cup here. Until the very first match. It's for the NST Women's Tag Team title match. It's Tasha Attraction versus the team that I'm going to coin the Generation of J-Rock. 
Now, granted, if you've been a fan of Radio Free Professional Wrestling, you know that I'm a diehard Gigi Dolan fan, and I was a little bit upset that she lost the title here, but I got a feeling that putting the titles onto Cora J and Roxanne is a better move. I feel like they're actually a solid tag team, maybe a better tag team than Gigi Dolan and her partner are. And maybe this is a sign that they're going to bring Tasha Attraction back up to the main roster with Mandy Rose. Even though Mandy Rose did not have a match at the Great American Bash, Roxanne has stated that this coming up Tuesday night on NST, we're going to see Roxanne cash in her tournament win for an opportunity to face Mandy Rose for the NST Women's Championship. And I got a sneaking feeling that Bob Up 4 might be crying the next morning because I feel like they may put the title on Roxanne and make her a double champion. Now, this was a solid match, and I feel like it's one of the better Tasha Attraction matches due to the fact they were facing Cora J and Roxanne. Now, the question coming out of this match is who in the world does the new tag team champions face? For the simple fact that there's not that many women tag teams in ST or on the main roster, so we're going to have to wait to see who the generation of J-Rock face next. Okay, so up next, we had a match that I had high hopes for. It's Trip Williams versus Wes Lee, and this was the match that cost me the Churchill Cup because I had picked Wes Lee to be the one to beat Trick Williams. Going into this match, I couldn't remember the last time that Trick Williams won a match, and apparently the writers in NST 2.0 went, oh wait a minute, he's lost a ton of matches, we need to give him a win. So cue the rubbing alcohol slash quarter form as he gets his drink bottle and pours it all over Wesley who acts like he can't breathe and it leads to the Trick Williams victory and me with my jaw on the floor going like oh my word I just lost the Churchill Cup to Randy. Okay so our next match coming up is a match between Tiffany Stratton and Winnie Chu. Now these are two characters when they first debuted in NST 2.0 I really didn't have the time of day for and slowly they have grown on me both and I will argue with you that Tiffany Stratton plays a better version of Charlotte Flair than Charlotte Flair herself and in this match she outperformed probably Charlotte Flair on probably one of Charlotte's lesser days but Tiffany Stratton in the ring week after week has gotten better and it may help with Winnie Chu being pretty good in the ring herself and this was a short entertaining match and I was happy to see Tiffy Stratton get the win here as they're building up a possible challenger for a Roxanne versus Tiffy Stratton match for the NST women's title maybe two or three months down the road. Okay up next is probably my favorite match of the night and it's for the NST North American title as Carmelo Hayes Mr. I call my shots and I make my shots versus Grayson Waller. Now this match is basically two heels trying to outheal each other in an attempt to win the match. And luckily for me, Carmelo Hayes has one more trick up his sleeve than Christian Waller. And I was right in my assumption that Christian Waller doesn't need a title. He's just good by himself. And Carmelo Hayes is too early to take the title off of him because they're building this guy up to be the main face of NST after Braun Breaker goes to the main roster. Now the result of the next match between the Creeds and David Kemp and Roderick Strong kind of surprised me because going into this pay-per-view I was feeling that they were getting the Creeds ready to go to the main roster and I had a feeling they were going to split Dynamite up and have Roderick 
and his protege David Kemp be the next NFC champions. But surprise, surprise, the Crees have a decent match. One of the Crees almost destroys himself by going to do a cannonball on the outside. I wish he wouldn't do this move because probably seven times out of ten, he's off just enough where it looks like he could possibly break his neck. So with the Creed brothers winning this and retaining their NST tag team titles, we continue the storyline of where or not the Dynamite is going to break up. And eventually they're going to break up and we're going to see the Creed brothers and Ivy go on to be the baby faces and maybe move up to the main roster because I doubt they're going to move Roderick Strong at his age to the main roster. I feel like Roderick Strong is going to be one of those gatekeepers kind of like the person in our last match on this card as we move to the NXT title match between Braun Breaker and Cameron Grimes. Now the story behind this match for a few weeks has been Cameron Grimes has been kind of being a tweener as the NXT crowd there at the Performance Center has been kind of turning on him and he's been kind of like this gatekeeper like the face of the company at the Performance Center and Braun Breaker has been your all-American kind of jock baby face champion. And this kind of jock attitude sometimes gives him in trouble because he's hard-headed. And he goes ahead and has matches when he shouldn't have matches. And coming into this match, Braun Breaker is dealing with a quote-unquote shoulder injury. And it's the thing that Cameron Grimes plays up in the match. We see a event before the match where Cameron Grimes is walking into the medical room of the performance center Braun Breaker's there he talks to him oh hey I know your shoulder's not 100% and I'm gonna focus on it and Cameron Grimes just simply walks away the doctor tries to wrap up Breaker's shoulder Breaker's like I don't need a tape playing this all-american tough guy character and one thing I love about this match is the shoulder does come into play so Breaker can't use his power slam to get the victory on Cameron Grimes so he goes to a spear, but he spears him with the other shoulder. And the question is, what do you do with Cameron Grimes next? Because he's lost his chance at the NFC title yet again. And I've been thinking he's the gatekeeper for young talent going on their way to the main roster. But Cameron Grimes is so good. He deserves a NST title run. I just hope the writers at NST decide to give him a title run down the road. But it's not tonight. As Braun Breaker retains the title. And the question is. Who is next for Braun Breaker? And we kind of get the answer to it. As the Irish ace. J.D. Madalyn now. As we used to know him as. Jordan Devlin. And why in the world they had to change his name. I have no idea but. Oh hey you can't use his real name. So we got to change it. But Jordan Devlin made his NXT proper debut. As he comes up, knocks the heck out of Breaker from behind. And we know the Irish Ace is the next challenger for Braun Breaker. And I do believe he's going to be the gentleman to beat Braun Breaker. And become your new NXT champion. Overall, this was a quite entertaining episode of NXT. Now, since they've gone away from having to take over version of NXT sh shows, these special two-hour episodes of NXT... They tend to outperform what we see coming into these episodes. And yet again, The Great American Bash is a prime example where you have at least three solid good matches that you can go back and watch and you won't regret your time. 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to bring back a classic segment from Radio Free Professional Wrestling History. And now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly in the week that was professional wrestling. Why, yes, we are bringing back the good, the bad, and the ugly due to the simple fact there was so much to talk about in this week of wrestling. Now, my good this week is simply Liv Warren winning her first single title. Yes, I might believe it could be a transitional championship as we already have the rematch with Ronda Rousey scheduled for SummerSlam and a lot of people believe that she won't get past that one and if she does get past that one, she has a date with Charlotte Flair coming down in the fall and Charlotte Flair will regain the title for like the 16th time and this reign that we have with Liv Morgan right now will be nothing more than a footnote in history. Now my baddest week has to be the holiday edition of Monday Night Raw. Personally, I've been to a Memorial Day version of Monday Night Raw and I can tell you these holiday theme episodes are always the worst. They may have one or two good matches, but there's nothing else on the show that you should go back and watch. For this episode of Monday Night Raw, we had the joy that was Uncle Sam as R-Truth is out there being Uncle Sam, and he gets interrupted by my least favorite person in the whole wide world, Guffer. And Guffer comes out and basically destroys R-Truth in about 30 seconds. But the highlight of this awful episode of Raw was the backstage 4th of July party hosted by the Street Profits. It was nowhere near as cool as the one that was back on NXT 2.0 with Josh Briggs and his partner hosting it. And the thing we get out of the Raw version of the party is Otis ate to me hot dogs in a hot dog eating contest. Later on, we get to a six-man tag match and he upchucks almost on Chad Gable. But luckily, Gable is up to the side, but this causes the Hill team to lose. As bad as that episode of Monday Night Raw was, it did not make my ugly. Simple for the fact that back on Friday Night SmackDown, we had the Matsum Male Model segment where they debuted their tennis line. And I could care less because it was a double fault. You have to notice them as ugly for the fact that I feel like Mace was better served being a part of Retribution because this change in character and making the name sound more French is not doing anything for him. Now, Monster and LA Knight have more in-ring capabilities and I wish the WWE would see them as more as in-ring performers instead of this comedy mid-card joke of the team they are, especially LA Knight. Now, if you've been a fan of LA Knight or Eli Drake, as long as I have been, you would know this guy is magic on the mic, and he's okay in the ring. He is serviceable in the ring. He could be your Intercontinental U.S. Champion at some point, but they brought him up to Friday Night SmackDown. They didn't use the WWE name they gave him in LA Knight. No, they decided, oh, we gotta change that to, to Matt Dupree. Oh, like, that is a name of a future WWE Undisputed Universal Champion. Now, something that made my Arnold mention for the ugly was the fact that they had Lacey Evans on this episode of Friday Night Smackdown. They gave her new in-ring music, which sounds like super babyface music. And you think, okay, we spent the last two months explaining the backstory of Lacey Evans. They're going to give her a face push. This is the start of the Lacey Evans face turn. Aaliyah's in the ring. She's going to be a partner of Lacey Evans in this match coming up. And we hear the music and Lacey Evans comes out. She's not happy with the reaction she gets from the crowd. So she walks back, redoes it two times. And on the third time, she finally makes it down to the ring. Cuts a heel freaking promo on the crowd. And this short-lived Lacey Evans baby face run is over as she turns heel on the crowd and dicks Aaliyah. And now we got this heel Lacey Evans. And now she's not a center bell. She's just a fed up kind of angry tweener 
character that this doesn't like the fact that crowd won't cheer. Way to go WWE and wasting a great opportunity to have a uber babyface women's champion and Lacey Evans. So I'm guessing Ronda Rousey is going to take some time off after SummerSlam and Charlotte Flair is not ready to come back yet. So on the SmackDown side, I guess they need another hill for Liv Morgan to face. And I guess they chose Lacey Evans to be probably the next one to come up the card to face Liv Morgan. And we might just get a heel run with a title with Lacey Evans before we ever see the light of day of a babyface Lacey Evans. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the final segment of this week's episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Allow me to do yet another classic Radio Free Professional Wrestling segment. It's now time for David, the Smart Mark heel and face of the week. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we will start with our heel of the week. And there's no bigger heel in professional wrestling at the moment than Christian Cage. If you haven't seen this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite, go back and watch the segment where he's there with Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy came out to defend the honor of Jungle Boy, who still has not returned from the beatdown that Christian Cage gave him. Now, this promo battle between Christian Cage and Matt Hardy was pretty cool. The first thing I liked about this promo was Christian Cage being the logical heel here, pointing out the fact that, wait a minute, Matt Hardy, how are you a fan of Jungle Boy? There's no way you know Jungle Boy better than I know Jungle Boy. Or Lucasaurus knows Jungle Boy. So Matt counters saying that Christian only used Jungle Boy and Lucasaurus to get a payday, and he knows everything about doing that because... He's done that with, like, Private Party, Booster and Blade. Christian fires back by saying that Matt Hardy doesn't care about his brother's issues as long as he's able to use his brother for one last major title push. This got a giant pop from the crowd, like, oh. And I kind of did the same thing while I was watching it live. Now, a lot of people had some issues with it. Pretty sure that Christian got it cleared with Matt Hardy, so there's probably no issue between the two gentlemen. And yes, I understand it's really close to the fact that Jeff Hardy is in rehab for his issues. We wish Jeff Hardy a successful recovery. But by the end of this promo, it has made me want to see Christian Cage get his ass kicked by Jungle Boy. And I feel like they're probably going to keep Jungle Boy off for maybe another episode or two. Now, they're kind of this dead period where they're waiting for the next pay-per-view, which is Labor Day. So do you bring Jungle Boy back before this pay-per-view? to have the blow-off match with Christian Cage, or do you bring him back and let him try to get revenge on Christian, only get stopped by a Luchasaurus, and along the way in the story, we get the Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus match we never thought we would get, but now Curry are heading to. Okay, so my face of the week is Paul Heyman, and yes, I know he's not a face technically, but the promo that he had back on Friday Night SmackDown got me interested in a match that we've seen nine times in the last five years, as Roman Reigns is going to face Brock Lesnar, at SummerSlam in a last man standing match. This promo was freaking awesome. He basically told the Tribal Chief that they have a problem and their promise is Brock Lesnar. And to pin Brock Lesnar for three seconds is one thing, but keep the animal, the beast, and Karnoff down for 10 seconds in a last man standing match is something that is nearly impossible. And the Tribal Chief is going to have to channel the most evil, diabolical, fierce, Tribal Chief he ever seen and in a way I got a feeling that they're building a storyline where Paul Heyman feels like he's not going to be able to do it which honestly leads us to believe that he'll go back with Brock Lesnar but hey what 
if Paul Heyman teams up with Fury and Fury catches in his Money in the Bank title contract after both gentlemen are laid out in that last man standing contest and you have Paul Heyman helping Fury get over with an excellent promo. Now Fury's good on the mic but Fury and Paul Heyman could be this generation's Nick Barwinkle and Bobby the Brain Heaton. Now granted I know that's high praise. I know I've got on a limb but that would be a fresh new storyline going into the fall. And that is something we need with the WWE. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Radio Free Professional Wrestling. If you don't mind, go over to Radio Free PW. Follow us on Twitter. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Also, go over to D. Brockley 6 and give David a follow. Send him a get well message. I should have a David update next week on this episode. Fingers crossed. Everything is looking good so far. He's just waiting for some results to come back from the tests. So, David, we're wishing you a speedy recovery, and don't you worry. Hopefully, Randy will get this Canadian internet fixed. So, he's here next week for the beating of a lifetime as we talk about death before dishonor. So, everybody say stunning, and Randy, you have really no idea how pissed off your patron saint of stunning is, and you're going to regret it. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.